Actually, we do not even going to do a cold open for this. I felt yeah. like the entire the entirety of 2021 has been a cold open leading to this moment. It's 300. Come on. You have to have a cold open for th uh, 300. Come on. This will not be over quickly. <laughs> you will not enjoy this. Is that why I put on a purple bow tie at the end of the game? You're not the only person here with a bow tie. You're not even the only person here with two bow ties. Did you bring two bow ties? Yes, I did. All right. See, we're even then. You guys do realize that podcast listeners can't see you, right? Football fans, it's now time for the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast. Here are your hosts, Matt Coleman and Greg Thomas. Hello and welcome to the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, your weekly podcast wrapping up the 2021 Division Three football season, a season that ended like two other seasons have ended with the University of Mary Harden Baylor standing atop Division Three football world as they defeated North Central by the score of 57 to 24. We have a regular sized podcast, I suspect, with a super sized podcast crew. Of course, the usual, Pat Coleman, I'm the executive editor of D3Football.com. I'm Greg Thomas. I am the Around the Nation columnist at D3Football.com. I'm Keith McMillan. I'm a person who no longer has an official title, but oh. you may know me from previously writing Around the Nation, hosting the podcast for 20 years with Pat, those sorts of things. Uh, we'll have to oh, get you like... Uh, not quite 20 years. Not 20 years of podcasting. I just aged like six years in those, in those moments. We'll have you to get you like... You look it. Oh, yeah. No kidding. Editor emeritus of some sort. And I'm Frank Rossi. I'm considered a contributor for D3Football.com, and I do give through Patreon, so I am a contributor indeed. It's also so we can disclaim when you say crazy things at student-athletes on, on Twitter. You know that, right? I was pretty good this season. Not, not horrible. Yay for 2021. But yay, seriously, for 2021, a season in which we had football, and we got in 98% of our games, including just about 98% of our Division Three football playoff games. Uh, and then we ended, of course, with what was a fantastic game at halftime and turned into a fantastic whooping by the end of it all as Mary Harden Baylor walks away from the Stag Bowl with a championship 57-24. to 24. Just kind of going around the horn here a little bit for reactions on the game. We will also, in the course of this podcast, decide who the D3Football.com Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and Coach of the Year are. We will try to keep those discussions as quick as possible. All of us have done a lot of things over the course of 2021, and we want to, you know, I don't want to spend another three hours editing a podcast. My flight back home is not long enough for that to happen. I guess that's the important thing. The important thing is that Mary Harden-Baylor won the national championship uh, in very convincing fashion. Um, 1917 game at halftime. We thought it was going to be close. Both teams confirmed in the post-game press conference that they thought it was going to be a, a battle in the second half. Uh, coach Fredenberg said at halftime he was uh, meeting with his defensive coaches, making some tweaks because he was a little bit worried about what North Central might do in the second half. And it turned out all anybody had to be worried about was how to stop K.J. Miller, how to stop Brenton Martin, how to stop Brandon Jordan, how to stop Alfonso Thomas. How to stop Kyle King, the man who threw for 436 yards on the biggest stage of them all. Stopping Brandon Jordan was like the one thing they were able to do. I know 
uh, Greg, you've been doing a deep dive into the stats and give us a little bit of uh, you know some of the things that come out of there. You know, they, they did do a good job on Brandon Jordan. Brandon Jordan obviously had two really big games leading up to this one, a lot of attention on him. And North Central defended him pretty well. Uh, they did uh, five of Kyle King's seven incomplete passes were targets to Brandon Jordan. So they were defending him well with Beasley and some help at times. But that opened up everything else for K.J. Miller and Brenton Martin. And in the second half, Afonso Thomas had running lanes all over the place. And really, this Mary Harden-Baylor offense, if we, I mean, my, my takeaway over the last few weeks and tonight, once they unlocked that offense forget it there's you can't beat this team if they're going to score 57 points with that defense not a chance both Jordan and uh, coach Fredenberg admitted to us in the post game uh, interviews that I did though that the game plan was to get away from Jordan knowing he would draw bracket coverage or double teams whatever you want to call it and it would free up KJ Miller and with his speed if he was just you know, one-on-one downfield with somebody, he was going to win those battles more often than not, and it turned out to be fully true. The one thing I will say is, imagine if Mary Harden-Baylor didn't let the opening kickoff go for a touchdown and didn't drop the ball all over the place in the second quarter, what the score would have been of this game, because that was my first sign that if Mary Harden-Baylor kept control of the ball, they were dominating that first half. The score was not representative in my uh, view of that. Yeah, I mean, I think if you play the what-if game, what if the ball doesn't go off Andrew Kaminsky's hands when he's running down the seam in the first half, North Central has a clear touchdown. Um, but, I, but I thought there was no doubt by the end of this thing, and, and Coach Thorne said it, you know, you, the better team won tonight. North Central ran into a buzzsaw. And for North Central, which has been the buzzsaw for the greater part of two full seasons, um, won the Stag Bowl in 2019, beat, beat Whitewater 41-14, right? They... They were on the on the we crushed you side and they and they got crushed tonight. Uh, I thought they owned it, and I thought um, you know, right now Mary Harden Baylor owns Division Three. I'm just gonna say one thing before we move on to another topic. You are the one who's holding the podcast mic I use at home, and it sounds really good on your voice. So I'm just saying that baritone works really well in that microphone. I think it's the voice. I no, I mean I'm I am saying it's, it's not the mic. <laughs> I am ladies. saying it's the voice. Say Corinthian leather. Corinthian leather. <laughs> Not sponsored by Corinthian leather. Right. Long second half for North Central. This will not be over quickly. <laughs> you will not enjoy this. In which not a lot went right. At a moment, even in the fourth quarter, where something did go right, Mary Harden Baylor marches right back down and really erases all doubt. I liked seeing... Aaron Sims catch a touchdown pass. How about, I want people's take because this is something that's burning up the comments on Friday night. Did anybody have a problem with the final touchdown there at the end of the game for Mary Harden-Baylor? And I ask this because I hearken back to Brock Rutter throwing a deep ball to Andrew Kaminsky when the game is excessively over against uh, Whitewater in 2019. I mean, yeah, that, that pretty much answers that. I, it certainly didn't seem necessary to me, but the explanation down in the room, and nobody asked this directly, but Kyle King said that was his favorite part of the night because Ryan Redding um, came in and relieved him in round two, got them past Birmingham Southern. Mary Harden Baylor wouldn't even be here, right, if, if they didn't have a quarterback who could step in when Kyle King was battling turf toe, battling the other issues that he said he was battling. So he said, um, 
you know, that, that really made him happy, and it was his favorite part of the night. I think for a guy who threw for 436 yards, maybe at other parts of the night he really enjoyed too, but that, that's the explanation from inside the program, that they just wanted to see Ryan Redding get one. Yeah, probably not really any parts of the night that Kyle King didn't like. He had a phenomenal night, as he has for the last three weeks. Uh, you know, in the national championship game, I think Mary Harden Baylor has a chance to get Ryan Redding in and get him in the book for a national championship uh, stat and a memento for him forever. Aaron Sims is a guy who's contributed a lot to the program. Aaron Sims getting a touchdown late in a game that was pretty out of hand, I think, is okay, too. I think, you know, these sorts of things, they're, they're going to happen in the national championship game, and I don't think it was done with any malice at all, so no problem here with those scores. These are guys, especially if it's seniors, right? Do I feel differently if it's seniors? I think I feel differently if it's seniors. Even if it was done with malice, that can't be your takeaway from tonight. Do we fit, I don't feel hey, malice out of Mary Hart Baylor at all, I, right? That cannot be your takeaway from this game. If you're in the comments arguing about that. And there are people are. What did you watch? The whole, <laughs> were they, I mean, does it matter whether it was 50 to 24, 57, 24? It doesn't matter, right? The, the, the second half, the, the, Mary Hart Baylor started rolling downhill and there wasn't anything North Central could do to stop it. And at that point, you know, you could argue North Central was checked out. I don't necessarily think that's true. You could argue that they just couldn't stop him. I have to say, you are holding the good mic, but you need to keep it on your face when you move your face towards us. So. Look, if you need me to talk into this mic directly, Whoa. you may be here a long time. That's a pretty hot mic suddenly. Uh, I will say what I said on the field uh, in real time when it happened. It wasn't my favorite move of the night. That said, life goes on. 57-24, let's move on. Keith, we were talking about this during – the final quarter of action, right? Game's getting a little out of hand. We got a little bit of things to talk about. And frankly, some things to kind of reevaluate, right? One of the things that we generally talk about on this final podcast is how do we think now the final top 25 shakes out? How do we reevaluate the things that have happened over the course of the past couple of weeks? I mean, it has been five weeks, essentially a third of a season since we voted. And you know, the most important 31, sorry, 30 games have taken place here over the course of the past several weeks. That's 31. I guess we could uh, count River Falls uh, beating Wash U as the, uh, maybe the most relevant bowl game to our, uh, to our top 25 ballots. Mary Hard Baylor coming away with, I think I said butt whooping. I'm going to stick with that uh, here in the national championship game. I'm not going to be the person who says that I'm not going to vote North Central number two. I've had those conversations sometimes in this podcast, but I definitely think about now who's number three, who is the third best team if we assume that the two best teams are the ones we saw here on Friday night. I'm not saying I'm going to do this, but I'm curious to hear what your reactions are. We've heard a lot of people talk about Harden-Simmons being a team that belongs up in the top five somewhere here. Uh, they are the only team that really, aside from Trinity, took Mary Harden Baylor deep and really probably in some way should have won the game uh, against them. Absolutely earlier in the should year. have won the game. Yep. They had it in hand. Yep. And I mean, speaking of long second half. Yeah, no kidding. But the, my point being, you can't keep naysaying the naysayers out there at this point about the treatment of Harden Simmons, I don't think. They were a strong team. I wish they had more of a body of work to give us some something to grip at. But what do you guys think? I think the right place to focus is actually Trinity um, because that team has a quality win in, in beating Birmingham Southern. And, uh, you know, if we're going to judge – 
by almost beat Mary Harden Baylor as your most impressive result. Um, certainly that, that is the best thing that Harden Simmons did this season. You just, what is the next best thing? Beat Bellhaven. Right. I don't know what Bellhaven means. I don't know what Howard Payne means. That's what people will point to as the next best things, but Bellhaven beat Millsaps. Howard Payne beat Hendricks. Neither of those is world beaters either. And, and I'm not trying to dump on Harden Simmons accomplishments. I think they will end up in the top 10, probably at the back half. But when you're comparing uh, that to, to Whitewater, another team that's in the mix for the top three, uh, also played relatively close game against Mary Harden Baylor compared to what we saw tonight. Uh, that team also has a 30-point win over a team that was 12-0 and coming into the game. Whitewater beat Central 51-21. Whitewater beat UW Lacrosse, which hung with 14 points within North Central. I, I think if you really sit down and do this stuff on paper, uh, you may end up in kind of a circular vacuum because there were, there were a lot of... Um, I have a circular vacuum that runs across my floor every Sunday at 11 o'clock in the morning. Sponsor. Uh, sponsor moment. I did um, not name a brand. <laughs> I did. I did not name a brand, and I'm bleeping that out. Um, I mean, I, I think you can twist yourself in knots trying to figure out who, who did what. Um, but I also think you don't have to vote linear in that the te- three and four teams are the, are the teams that, play, that played last week. You know, you may want to give consideration to Linfield, Central, Wheaton, um, Harden-Simmons, Trinity, teams that went out earlier in the postseason, lacrosse. Uh, you don't necessarily have to put Mountain Union and Whitewater three and four. Greg? I think recency matters a little bit also. Harden-Simmons and Mary Harden-Baylor played 12 weeks ago. And what do we think? Of, what do we wow. think the score of a Harden Simmons Mary Harden Baylor game would be tonight? Um, right, you know, the, Mary Harden Baylor is a much different team right now, right? Ever since the Linfield game, it's like a switch has been thrown. Yes, and that, that's what I'm saying is that it's not an apples to apples thing where we can compare scores across the board from September all the way to the middle of December. Things evolve, things change, and Mary Harden Baylor is not the same team that they were three weeks ago or four weeks ago, let alone 12 weeks ago. I'm going back That's to my point. preseason top 25 ballot right now. I'm looking at it. Number one, Mount Union. Number two, North Central. Number three, Mary Harden-Baylor. Number four, Wisconsin-Whitewater. Number five, Harden-Simmons. Six, Wheaton. Seven, St. John's. I, I see a couple things that might shift around, obviously, internally from that, but it's kind of funny that the more things change, the more they stay the same, and a lot of that uh, listing I just gave there. I, it, it was kind of chalk this season in a, yeah. in, a, in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, it absolutely was. It, and we kind of said going in, the the next tier would be jockeying amongst themselves with some names we weren't used to, but the top tier would still be the top tier, we thought. I, or at least that's what I said a couple of times. I think you guys may have as well, and it turned out to be that way. Yeah, I think that tier is just a little bigger, right? And we've talked about this quite a bit too, is right? It's no longer a one-team thing, like we said in the pregame show. It's no longer even a two-team thing. It's now a four-team thing, maybe maybe a five-team thing. At least it has been over the course of the past couple of years. And, of course, as we, I think, all agree, that's obviously good for Division Three football. Yeah, and I think if you want to extrapolate that out, you can, you can now have Centennial Conference teams confidently going to Mount Union and, and thinking they can hang. Taking at least, you know, Muhlenberg taking Mountain Union to overtime is, is a thing that happened this season. And Johns Hopkins played him pretty well, too. Right. Led late. You know, you're, look, you're looking at, I, I think, going into the postseason, and obviously we got a pretty definitive result tonight, but you're looking at um, Linfield is undefeated. Central's undefeated. You know, you don't know how good like somebody like Del Val is going to be. UW lacrosse. 
there's so many. I felt like we had you know eight to twelve teams that had a legitimate shot, and then you look back at what happened tonight, and you're like, actually, <laughs> only one team, maybe two, uh, had a legitimate shot. The stars at night are big and bright. <laughs> D3Football.com Coach of the Year. It's not always given to the coach of the national champion, but it <laughs> often is, and I am not sure who else we would talk about other than Pete Fredenberg. I, I would actually nominate for unanimous consent Pete Fredenberg because <clears throat> there were some good coaches, excuse me, there were some good coaches this uh, season, obviously throughout the regions, but coming into the season, I did not expect to be saying Mary Harden-Baylor, national champions, and lo and behold, we are saying it tonight with a margin of 57-24. It, it, this is sort of very unexpected to me coming into this one. They were the preseason number one, though, right? Yeah, they were. I okay, did, just I, checking. I didn't vote for them that way. That's I, why I'm saying. You mentioned that. Yep. Yes. Frank, I just appreciate you asking for consent. <laughs> all right. All in favor? Aye. 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 Aye, aye, aye. As the chair, I get to vote, right? Okay, all opposed? I just finished a year as a president of a nonprofit board. Uh, the motion carries Pete Fredenberg. The D3Football.com Coach of the Year. Offensive Player of the Year. Is this another easy one? Is there a real discussion that extends past Blaine Hawkins? Obviously, Ethan Greenfield, a fantastic year as well. But is anything anybody want to make a serious case for people who are not named Blaine Hawkins as Offensive Player of the Year? No. You throw 62 touchdown passes, you win the Gallardi Trophy, you break, you set the all-time record. Um you get offensive player of the year. I, think I like that. Sixty-three that touchdown yeah, passes. My bad, man. My yeah. bad. He threw sixty-two and then he threw another. You know, because what happened was the sixty-third. Everyone put their pens down and stopped <laughs> writing. They're like, "Oh my god!" Uh, unless somebody's going to pay me really good retainer to represent them for this, yeah, no. All right. So that is also by unanimous consent. Central quarterback Blaine Hawkins, D3Football.com Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, the guy's got a handful of other accolades as well. Um, you know, Gallardi Trophy winner, the first Gallardi Trophy winner to appear live on the pregame show via video conferencing. That is also a very, very big honor. And thanks actually to Larry Hopple and everybody over at uh, Central University in Pella, Iowa for making that happen. All right, now the Defensive Player of the Year. I thought there might be some discussion, so I saved that for last. Typically, we are talking about the people who were named first team All-American. Right? Those are the people who are generally in consideration. We've got Dallas McRae, who would be uh, the defending winner of that award, essentially. We didn't have an award for this in the spring, although we did have an All-America team. Uh, McRae was the offensive, or the defensive player of the year back in 2019. He's a defensive, defensive tackle for Wheaton. Um, we seem to talk about Jefferson Fritz in this conversation like all the time, um, and I feel like this is another time to have that conversation. Um, the linebackers, I think Dylan Keefe was the top vote getter um, and was pretty dominant statistically. That's the guy for Chapman. Chapman didn't have as good a year as they've had in the past. Uh, I don't know quite what to make of that. Um, and what are, what are we thinking? I throw this out for discussion because I know who I like, but I don't want to say, I don't want to stifle conversation. That would be bad management. Keith and I have both been in meetings like that. I'm not going to name any names. Oh, well, uh, yeah. 
it's the but for clause I always talk about at this point when we get into these. But for this player, the, that team would not have the success they had in this season. So it, it, you named a lot of good guys there. And it's I did just, not name Jake Beasley, of course, who's a yeah. – a defensive, uh, it was a defensive first teamer as well. And good point. Played and really well tonight. Contributed to all of those things that uh, Greg said about five minutes ago. That was like fifteen minutes ago. No way. No. No. No way. way. The whole podcast right now was only twenty-two minutes long. It was early. That was like the five five thirty mark. <laughs> yeah. All right. Rewind it, people. Rewind. Um, Pat, don't edit out a whole bunch so that you can be right. Hopefully, they don't shut our power down. They just turned the lights out here on us. So yeah. Uh, anyway, defense player of the year. Defensive Player of the Year. Are we? We're talking about maybe we're talking about Beasley. We're talking about McRae. We're talking about Fritz. How are we feeling? Who, who played lights out? <laughs> <laughs> Frank is making a joke because the lights were turned out on us. Uh, we've got the lights back on. Thank you, Greg. I, I mean, I'm okay with uh, you know the best player on the best defense, Mary Harden Baylor. Um, obviously, outstanding in the Stag Bowl on Friday night. Outstanding against UW Whitewater, holding that team to seven points. What is your counter argument, or what is your argument for someone else? Right, and the, the I think the caveat or the strange the thing that's strange is that he only had two interceptions. One of them was tonight, and you know we talked about it in the post game show. Like perhaps the key play that really started this whole thing. It was twenty six seventeen. Blake Williams was seemingly wide open in the end zone. Luke Lanen was throwing the ball to him, and Fritz just kind of comes out of nowhere and intercepts it. And instead of it being 26-24, it eventually is 42-17 and 57-24. When that ball was in the air, did anybody here think that that wasn't going to be six? That w- he did was, not. Only me because I was standing right in front of it. I saw Fritz, but that's because I was on the, the opposite angle of you guys. So that's why I could see it forming that way. I can see why you guys wouldn't have. I nominate Jefferson Fritz. Do I have a second? Are we not doing Robert's Rules of Order? Come on. Yeah, I think to the to the I think to the to the victors goes to the spoils a little bit. And we talked about this on the All American team, Pat. Sometimes your defensive backs don't wind up piling up a huge number of stats because you avoid those guys. And Jefferson Fritz is a guy that you try to avoid as much as you can. Um, you know, his reputation for seven, eight, nine seasons at Mary Harden Baylor precede him. <laughs> Nice. Weren't some of those actually Baylor Mullen seasons, or are we just <laughs> melding everything together now? Same, yeah, we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I thought Jake Beasley played really well tonight, and in a different um, world where North Central wins this game and Brandon Jordan has four catches for 66 yards, uh, you, you know, you, Jake Beasley puts the, puts the capper on the top of a great season. Um, but I just don't know what the argument is for any of these other players, except they racked up really, really big stats. In, uh, in less significant games. Jefferson Fritz, safety, Mary Harden-Baylor is the D3Football.com Defensive Player of the Year. What do we have left to talk about? How to get out of a stadium that is locked and has all the lights off. It does seem like there's a distinct possibility we may not get out of here tonight. How are we at scaling fences? It's not really the scaling the fences. It's the throwing the laptop over. I think oh, that's going to be the big issue. I think issue. it's the, the landing on the other side. Right, I, right. One person gets scale first, and then you catch. Frank, Frank's first. So I'll, uh, let me talk first, then, before I go <laughs> that way. Uh, we ended up with a team that played in the spring that won the national championship in the end. And it's it's an interesting story, the 20 and 21 uh, scenario that we kept hearing about. And 
I hope we never have to see it again or feel it again because it, it's just bizarre for all of us. We're all exhausted from the spring blending to the fall. I can only imagine how these players felt, but Micah Hackett said to me on the field, he was cramping up in the third quarter because they're just so darn tired at this point. And to win those 20 games, to be perfect that way, that's incredible. It really is. I got no argument there, right? I mean, I, it's interesting. I think that we felt maybe midseason or even as recently as a couple of weeks ago that maybe the spring thing was not a big deal, right? But here, rather than – because I don't think we can make a blanket statement – that the spring was important, but true, what true. did Mary Harden Baylor do in the spring that we all identified in the spring was important? What did they do? They found a quarterback. Something else, say, and something that came up with a lot of the teams that I talked to about spring ball, whether they played or whether they didn't play, it's been these the last two years where student where they didn't have games and all they did was team build and bond and everything else. That to me is the part that I think is a little bit different this year for a lot of teams, not just the teams that played games in the spring, but everybody. There seems to be a uh, a closeness, and football teams are close, generally speaking. But this year, it's it, the the feedback I've gotten from players and coaches has been it's different because we spent all that time together getting ready for this season. And in the post game press conference after this game, we heard a lot of that from the players. Uh, at North Central and Mary Harden Baylor. It's been a little while since I've been in a post-game news conference, right? I'm usually up here now anchoring. What else took place that was of note? That I what did I miss? I don't. We don't even get to listen to them anymore up here, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the main thing was what what uh, Greg hit on that uh, you know North Central has charted a new path for its program and also has charted a new path for any other high-level program. I'm not going to say like. Team 235 is all of a sudden going to shoot to number one. But teams that are perennial playoff participants can can see a blueprint for them now to, to be here and to compete on a regular basis. I don't think uh, North Central is necessarily going away. They may not be right back in the stag bowl, but they've they've got a quarterback. They've got an offensive line. They've got a lot of, a lot of talent around the roster. And I think the other thing um was just the way the the Mary Harden Baylor players interacted you could tell they really liked each other KJ Miller said he's happy when everyone else eats so whether he was the star tonight whether Brenton Martin was was um the guy catching the passes and he ended up with 196 yards whether it was Brandon Jordan last week and the week before doesn't much matter who got the shine because those guys loved each other I thought the Micah Hackett Jacob Mueller um, sharing time and then Hackett having a game of his life tonight was pretty cool. Those guys were just so, all, so happy for each other. Looks like a team that would be fun to coach. You see the joy on Coach Fredenberg's face, um, and and you, I, I thought it was really heartfelt too. The way the way Coach Thorne talked about his team as well, and I, I think um, you know it exemplified what's great about Division Three football. I'm going to put it up on Twitter this weekend with uh, the, uh, the owner's permission, uh, but. Uh, when we did the funds interviews between the players thing with when Kyle King and Micah Hacker were going back and forth the way they were you, you just saw something different now they they knew what 
buttons to push with each other, yeah. but they didn't go over the top and they were just laughing their backsides off as much as anybody with the whole thing. And even on the field tonight, Jefferson Fritz says Micah Hackett was coming around. I was, I was asking a question about him. He's like, you know, that Micah Hackett guy, he's, he's pretty average still, I think. And Micah couldn't contain himself down there. They were laughing so hard. That's their relationship right now what I loved was that Kyle King and Micah Hackett just yes anded all the way through that little conversation better than Keith and I ever did for sure that's that's improv speak for those of you who uh, who aren't trained in the uh, in the arts everything's made up and the points don't matter uh, another guy I, I thought uh, looked like he was having a good time was uh, Jeffrey Sims the the center for Mary Harden Baylor after the moment when when uh, the time runs out and they they win the national championship. Kyle King is kissing the trophy. Sims is just running around, arms in the air, to anyone who will watch and help enjoy the moment with them. Um, you know, it was just it was pure joy. It's it's you know it was like the equivalent of someone laying down on their back and doing uh, snow angels or confetti angels. It was it was that in the in the flesh. And no matter who you root for, that never gets boring to watch for me. Liaison uh, for the NCAA, J.P. Williams had to peel him off that trophy uh, to get it back because they still needed to do the presentation. It was just kind of funny watching the whole thing play out down there, but he was the one that he basically, I saw J.P. just trying to pull him back without much success. His helmet was stifling. It narrowed his vision, and he must see far. This is podcast number 300. I think we have here in this room just about everybody who has sat in one of these chairs on this podcast. I wore a special purple bow tie for the occasion. I brought a special red bow tie just in case. Um, but, you know, it has been... It's been... 15 years and now 23 episodes in year 15. Uh, it's been a long trip is what I'm trying to say. And I said it super awkwardly that I'm not going to edit later. Well, look, it's somebody that does a podcast too and has since uh, like, heard. yeah, like a year after you guys started, we did one uh, that was audio, not video. But let me tell you something. Uh, as somebody that has to edit it and everything else, Pat, you deserve a huge amount of credit, Keith, for creating it as well, or at least having the idea back when to get it off the ground. I, it, it's groundbreaking. Let me tell you something, folks. The number of people that knew about my prediction on that field or that listened to us this morning when uh, the podcast came out, 299, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's as hot as it's ever been. And your numbers may not reflect it because I think people are listening to this in groups more than ever right now. The group podcast listens? Yeah. Dang. A podcast hang? Absolutely. And numbers count for nothing. I'm a fan of a really culty niche podcast and we don't even do that. Well, let me just reiterate one more time here. It's an extremely great effort by you guys, and pat yourselves on the back, no pun intended. Uh, number 300 is tough to come by, and you made it, and 301 will be just as good. No, it will be in, be in January. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, the thing... Greg's not getting a lot of time on this podcast. I'm just looking I at Greg sitting over here I didn't realize Greg was trying to talk. Greg's in the back of the room. Also, hanging not out. Be my Greg's staff. tired. Podcast three hundred one. Maybe, maybe you go back to uh, the original location outside of a out on a at a bus stop <laughs> in Northern Virginia bus somewhere. Well, I can get, I can get there. I don't. You guys are gonna struggle a little bit, but. 
Greg's got to go back to California, Pat to Minnesota, Frank to New York. Yeah, I think we could uh, at some point maybe do a, a podcast there or on a baggage carousel at Dulles or at the uh, uh, at a gate at Midway Airport, right? Those are the famous places we've done this podcast. In all seriousness, though, to, to, to link the point that Frank is making to the, the grandeur of the moment, um, the, the fact that we're, that we're here at, at 300 is really a testament to the, the fans and the, and the folks who have, are hungry to know more about these D3 teams. It's such a giant division. Oh, my God. What? It's huge. Uh, literally, coast to coast. And so you may know the 10 teams in your conference. You, you see them play. And then you, you make the playoffs, and you're like, who? I don't know. The first thing about a North Central or a RPI or a Carnegie Mellon or – you know, whoever it is you end up None playing. None of those guys wear purple. That's what I know. Well, I mean, and so you, you, you need somewhere to go to learn about what all, out, what all is happening. Um, and, and so that's the, the void that, uh, that we filled. And I don't mean we as in me and Pat. I mean everybody who has a hand in it, uh, from, it. from production, from people calling in. I mean, I, th- I think the podcast took a leap when we started bringing more guests on. And, and you have those five good minutes. With, with somebody that who was on the field during the game on Saturday that can really tell you what really happened. You know, we can talk all we want from our, our house or a bus baggage carousel. But, he, but it's much better to hear from the voices of the, of the people who are there. Even Jeff Thorne on Monday's uh, press conferences uh, or media discussions that, that they had for this game, uh, you know, I, I told him thank you for all the availability. And his response back was, well, thank you for helping us to understand who teams are in this division. And that's a defending national champion coach telling us that, that they listen, they, they get their understanding of who's who and what's what because they're on the field. They can't really uh, dedicate that time. They're in the film room too much to get that appreciation. So they get to spend 59 minutes or 60 minutes each week. I know, Pat. I'm trying. Uh-huh. To uh, get that idea of what's going on, and you won't find that anywhere else besides this podcast. Jeff Thorne, apparently a big fan of uh, further afield. The big fan of the podcast in general. That's good because um, we seem to have quoted him in places that he didn't necessarily want to be quoted back in September. So that's good to know. Jeff Thorne's been a, a great sport this week and all season. Yeah. Um, as you know obviously a big spotlight on his team as a defending national champion and they have steered into that very much and uh thrived in it and enjoy it and um our the north central has been great with their time all season which sometimes doesn't always happen with programs that sort of catch a lot of success yeah we really appreciate all the time that uh that they gave us uh frankly too uh you know coach fredenberg Got off of the NCAA uh, call, the like the coordination call that happens on Sunday morning for teams that make the Stag Bowl, and then like the next thing he did was hop on a Zoom with me. Um, super helpful, obviously, and we've gotten lots of great support from lots of Division Three programs around the nation. It, it's it's going to be more of that the more we go, and I think what was important for us this year is that. People didn't take it for granted one little bit because of what we went through. I, I think that's why you saw such a resurgence of interest in the things you guys were doing along the way. It's yeah. the time where we should thank our Patreon subscribers, right? Amen. <laughs> but absolutely. Um, yeah, it has been – it's been fun. This is still – you know, it, it's not really feasible to do two podcasts in a week. I don't know how we did that in the first place. I, I, I 
I think we had some help. We did have some help. You had there, some help. There were some other folks who were who were working on uh, previewing the games. I, I think I think Pat hit on. I mean, Pat Frank hit it on the head. You know, you you, you didn't know what you had really in, until you missed it, and uh, a year without football or abbreviated year, whatever you want to call the spring. Um, we all really welcomed it back when it was back this year, and uh, to finish the way we finished in uh, in Canton, which by the way was a great host, good location yes, for a game. Yes, it was. Um, you know, if they could take the stadium down to five thousand and Ten. just for us and fill it, that'd be great. Ten. But other than that, I got no complaints. Great season. We are wrapping up this podcast. It's been uh, wrapping up the season. Even the D three photo guys are ready to go, and that is impressive. The final thing I want to say here in honor of 300, that this is not Sparta. This is Canton. 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 Ohio. 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 Corinthian leather.